This is an EO APAC production, and the Phoenix is rising. This is episode 13 of Phoenix Rising, and we have arrived in Australia. We're down under. Well, that's probably the worst Australian accent anyone in the world has ever pulled off. Well, today I'm so excited to be able to chat with a real-life goddess. To be exact, the goddess of governance of the law firm U-Legal, Sarah Bartholomews. Sarah is the founder and principal of this award-winning law firm. She has been an active practitioner in corporate and commercial law for almost 20 years and an author of three best-selling books on governance and a TEDx speaker. Well, I'm really curious to hear a full TEDx talk all about governance. She's also the chair of the Catalyst Foundation Board and serves in EO as the APEC Governance Director. She also has a podcast called Accountants on Purpose. Ultimately, her passion is to provide leaders with the confidence and certainty to make bold decisions. I am super excited to welcome on my podcast, Sarah Bartholomews. I'm excited. Hello. Oh, thanks so much for being on the podcast, Sarah. Thanks for having me. How's the last, uh, how's 2022 been? 2022 has been a bit of a roller coaster already. I think I live in Adelaide and we haven't had a lot of COVID, so been pretty shielded. And then just before Christmas, we opened up our borders and like a tsunami arrived of COVID with really us not being very good at dealing with it. So, you know, we had to learn that. Um, There's a war now Mm. in the Ukraine and Russia. Mm. Uh, given uh, the exact point in time we're at now, hopefully by t- the time people listen to this, there won't be one. But, you know, I- I'm not going to be putting any money on predicting the future ever again, I don't think. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, this everything never seems to end and mm. something new seems to come up. That's right. Someone said to me the other day, we're between waves, mm. which didn't sound very positive. Well, the one thing that's positive, though, it's never in my wildest dreams. I would think that I would hear the word goddess and governance in the same sentence. So, so one of my clients actually rang me once and said, I'm just calling you because you're the goddess of governance. And I was like, oh my goodness, that is just hilarious and brilliant. I love the alliteration. And I immediately updated my LinkedIn profile while I was still on the phone to him. Oh, wow. wow. Okay, so... I guess um, for those of us who are unfamiliar with the world of governance, especially in EO, right? So, so what is governance all about? So governance is about making decisions um, that are the best for the organisation. And so we as lawyers want to do that by putting agreements in place and in writing, which entrepreneurs often don't like to do, uh, and having policies and procedures that if something happens, um, they reflect our values and we can call people on certain behaviours so that don't match them and that and there's a policy that sets out why and what happens if someone doesn't do the right thing. Yeah, it seems to me like a lot of us think that policy and compliance is the total opposite of creativity and brilliance. I know. I've heard it as the handbrake to happiness, but I suppose what we are trying to do is make things fair, transparent, and make the organisation or organisations in general, in my case, as effective as possible. Mm. 
and manage risk. So, so some some of us may have had fruitful conversations with you. I know I have had my, my share of conversations with you, especially on law and governance. Was that always in the blood? Did you feel this? Was this was this something passionate? I actually remember in primary school, we had this visiting police officer in year six or seven who would come to our class and talk to us about the law. And we went to visit the courts and I just really enjoyed it and thought, this is it. This is what I'm working towards. And how did that become a business? Good question. So I worked in big companies and in big firms for the first 10 years of my practice. And I was part of a corporate reconstruction program at my last corporate job. And basically, I was selling all of the non-core assets. And when we sold the last one, I was pretty sure my job would be gone too. And I was right. Um, I was seven months pregnant. And that wasn't great. So it wasn't great timing for me. And also my dad had just been diagnosed with cancer. So there's lots of stuff, like lots of moving parts, I suppose, in my life. And I had one client who said, why don't you just consult to us and work out if you want to run your own firm? And I said, okay, like, fine. I've had two months till I had the baby still. And I didn't necessarily want to take off a year from that point, and it worked really well, like working flexibly. Oh, hold on, hold on. So, so did, are you saying that the the firm had actually uh, indirectly laid you off because you were pregnant? No, because I had finished the job I'd been hired to ah, do. Ah, okay, okay, okay. No, it was just bad timing with the pregnancy. Okay. <laughs> so, so you lost that job. I mean, you, yes. you finished you finished the contract. And it was a natural progression for you? Yeah. Yeah, it was. So it, at that time, it actually seemed like less risky than getting another job, I suppose. Having one big client who can say, we don't need you anymore, and all of your income is tied to that, just seemed more risky to me than starting my own thing and having maybe three or four big clients at that time that if one of them said, we don't need you anymore, it wasn't such a big deal. I guess that's kind of a lot of the familiarities of the story of entrepreneurs. Uh, mm. uh, you can only hear it from entrepreneurs, right? That says things like, oh, starting a business is safer than getting a job. Having a job. <laughs> so, so when was this? So when did you start the business? Eight years ago. Oh, nice. And how has the journey been so far? It's been up and down, I suppose, as a lawyer and as a lifelong employee. I had to learn about managing staff and mm. culture and there's so much to learn when you're an entrepreneur, which is part of the joy, I suppose. Someone once said to me, being in business is the most expensive education you'll ever get. <laughs> and the most painful one as well. Absolutely. But being in organizations like EO means that at least you're not doing it on your own. And what, what do you focus on typically? So we focus on protecting clients. So we've got a catchphrase of protecting purpose. We want to work with clients who have a purpose that's higher than profit or that they've got purpose infused in their business somehow because that matches our values. Mm. And we want to protect them because I was previously a litigator and I saw businesses ruined by people being in litigation that they didn't have to be in. 
Mm. because they just needed to have a shareholders agreement or a proper agreement that was checked and an insurance policy uh, in place to have avoided big business ending litigation, I suppose. So I thought that was just miserable work and I wanted to be more at the front end trying to protect my clients from that ever happening to them. To me, well, I mean, forgive me for saying, but uh, on the outside, it seems that every law firm is pretty much the same. It's legal practices, it's complex. How in your industry in legal do you differentiate yourself? Because you know, in a world of entrepreneurship, we're always thinking about how how can I be unique? Yeah. How can I make diff- how can I be different? How, how would you yeah. do something like that? So I wrote my first book about six years ago now and published it. And just with the view to, and I've continued this with the other two books, opening my IP up for anyone to be able to access. Because one thing law firms do is they keep everything. Yep tight and then charge you five six seven eight nine hundred dollars an hour to access that and so I thought I want to educate people so that they can be more informed consumers of legal services Mm -hmm. and so that they know what risks are out there and what to be aware of so that's the first way And the second way is we're very much a digital first law firm where we have products on our website that people can buy. And we um, moved from acting as general corporate commercial lawyers to acting more of this profit for purpose um, niche. uh, And we specialize in health specifically um, after we sold one of our big corporate clients and just were exhausted because it took a year. And didn't really feel like, you know, all those relationships we've built just kind of went off into other businesses and Mm -hmm. that we weren't necessarily doing something good for the world. And I feel like lawyers don't, like they often feel like that, but as the owner of a law firm, you can change that, which is so exciting to me to be able to act for who we want to act for and make sure that those people are doing good in the world, which indefinitely means that we are part of the ripple effect for good. Oh, wow. I, you know, a lot of people always say that lawyers are the, lawyer. a lot lot of them equate lawyers to sharks, lawyers equate them to really not something nice, right? And I'm really amazed how you've put kind of the the goodness into the industry, the goodness of uh, doing things with purpose. Has has that been has that changed over the last couple of years? Did the pandemic affect the business at all? The pandemic affected the business because most of our clients are in health and they were just in serious panic mode. Uh, and during that time, we really gave back a lot. Like I did a webinar every month about changes to laws, contracts, um, all the sorts of things that were changing dramatically uh, and just making sure that we were building a community around us so that when they needed help, they knew that we were here for them during those hard times and um, would continue to be. And did that affect you at all? personally going through that together with the clients? I think the pandemics affected everyone, really. Uh, it affected me in the very initial stages when we just 
everything shut down and we didn't know what was going. And I remember having a call with my team just saying, look, I don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, it's not my intention to have to let anyone go. Uh, I want to keep working with you all. I'm just not sure how our cash flow is going to look. And all of my team, except I've got one team member who's a solo parent, looks after her parents and her kids and her two kids because her sister lives away so two nieces and nephews um just said I can't like I have to keep being paid and so that made it simple where we just kept paying her and we paid everyone else when we could but thankfully things because I mentioned Adelaide really didn't have any COVID Mm. um and we act for clients Australia wide but we found that things sort of got back to normal relatively quickly for us. That's good. That's, that's, that's super good. I, I picked up on something you said earlier, and I want to go back to that. You mentioned that uh, all, well, the majority of your clients are in healthcare. Mm. That's, that, that sounds to me like you've picked kind of a niche area. What was the reason you decided that you were going, going to go only to this niche? Well, we market to that niche, but we still help clients in other areas uh, that we've been helping for many years and also people who kind of come out of the woodwork. But we know that healthcare workers help people and we wanted to be lawyers who helped people. And so by helping people who help people, we could be living out our mission. And and was that the the focus or the niche that you took for your business? I, I just want to yes. try and understand for your business, how did you create that niche? Yeah, so I come from a medical family. My family is full of doctors, nurses, dentists, allied health professionals like physios. And so I know how hard they work to help people because I'd seen them missing Christmas and, you know, they they just work so much. And I also knew that there are professional advisors who sometimes take advantage of them because they can earn so much money. And I wanted to, in my heart of hearts, wanted to help them because they um, help people so much and they have this kind of risky profile where people do target them. And Also, they don't get the training in business that other professions get. And so they are at risk of getting into trouble more easily, I think. My protector personality type came out and wanting to kind of shield them, I suppose. Mm. So that's so my third book is called Growing a Medical Practice from Frustration to a High Performance Business. Oh, wow. I've got to read that book. Well, it steps through, it's probably not super relevant in KL, but it steps through all of the legal steps that they need to be taking to make sure that they're legally compliant. Mm. And how has that helped the business from a business perspective, right? Uh, A lot of business people will say that, you know what, uh, we cannot run a business at the same time as running a charity, right? Mm. Um, And and I kind of see that a little bit differently. We can be very purposeful, but I wanted to understand from you, did that help the business? Yeah. So the book is that, well, the books are basically like a business card on steroids. So if we have quotes that come in that are taking a while to convert, I'll send them a copy of my book with a little note that says, hope this helps, looking forward to being in touch. And Almost invariably, if someone buys the book from the website, 
they engage us at some stage. And with healthcare, it's not necessarily a quick burn. It's sometimes a very slow burn because they only need help when they need help. And I suppose businesses can be like that as well. If everything's going along smoothly and you there's no regulatory changes that are impacting you, then you might not need to see a lawyer for years. That's true. And you mentioned also earlier, you're a digital first legal practice. Yeah, so we have um, products. We try and productize our service as much as possible. I suppose that makes us a bit different as well, Mm -hmm. where we've got products for sale on our website. So certain agreements and policies, frameworks that will help healthcare businesses run more smoothly, uh, available for people to buy and People, we've been working on our SEO and sometimes people that we've never even talked to by them. It's it's such a coup. And that's really one of my goals for this year to really increase that online sale. Isn't the industry of legal, you, you're not in compliance if you release documents out on the web. I don't know. I, yes. I'm just so we don't do that. So it's a, we still sell the service. So okay. if someone buys an agreement, they don't get a, they don't get a document, they get, um, a questionnaire or a link for a phone call, depending on what they want. So they'll fill in the questionnaire. We'll prepare the first draft of the agreement from those instructions. We'll send it to them and then we'll have another call or email back and forth to make sure that it's the right fit for their business. Um, but we never would send a template without getting instructions. Awesome. It's, it's just amazing uh, to talk to you. I, I don't get to talk to many lawyers. Uh, the, the business owners of, of firms, yeah, and um, I, I think it's really it's been re- very refreshing to see how you do the business and how uh, it needs to be a bit more purposeful and how you created a niche for yourself. Um, I've had the privilege to also uh, get to know your husband, Dave. I'm not sure whether it's a privilege or not. I'm sure it is, <laughs> and I'm always very amazed by the both of you that you're both so driven uh, in your own fields. A little bit of a personal question. What do you think your husband would say about you? Oh, that's a good question. You might have to interview him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think he would say that I am very hard on myself Mm. and that um, that is probably a drawback in terms of business, like that perfectionism, which comes from my profession and probably comes from my gender a bit. Um, But, yeah, I don't know what else he would say. You'll have to ask him. (laughs) No, no, I I, I will. I will in one one day. Sarah, you know, it's been such a great time talking to you. I wanted to just end today's call with uh, one final question. And it's a little bit more of a reflective question. You know, going through what you've gone through in the last eight years, um, starting the business after, you know, doing finishing your, your work uh, while you're pregnant and, you know, managing the company, the people. And up to today, what, what has been your biggest discoveries? I think that one thing that I keep coming back to that I keep sort of getting slapped in the face by is that people always show you who they are. And in the war for talent that we have now, I have made some hiring decisions because we needed somebody in a seat. Mm. 
Mm. And on based on feedback that we got through reference checks and a gut feel where I've gone against it, I, I'm really kicking myself about it because I'm the one who already saw that maybe they weren't a perfect match, but I wanted them to be so much that, you know, you have to pay for it one way or another, don't you? As as the business owner, so everything comes back to you. Yeah, uh, I've had my fair share of that as well. I think every every business person, every entrepreneur has had their fair share of that. We become desperate to fill the gap and talk ourselves into them being the right person, even though deep down maybe you know that somehow it's not going to work. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for being uh, so open and honest. Bit of a downer to end on, but I'm sure it's relatable. No, it's it's not a downer at all, right? I think it's a very good reminder that we, we need to remind ourselves all the time uh, that in business uh, we can't we can't be desperate, right? We we have to always go back to our purpose, our whys, as you have shared with us today, right? Going back to our purpose, helping others that help others, mm. right? and if we forget that. It's, we will definitely pay for that. Yeah. And I, I think I like what you said today about, uh, you know, being open, educating others. Uh, a lot of us in business feel that we have to, we have to protect, we have to protect our rice bowl. We have to protect what we have because, you know, uh, somebody may take it away if they know mm. our secrets. But I guess we're living in the world of the internet, right? Everything is out exactly. there. If you're not the one that's educating, if you're not the one that's saying it, somebody else will. If you are the one that said it and somebody heard it and somebody bought your book and somebody read it, then I guess it's a, it's a way for them to know that, hey, you're the right person. Mm. Right? So I guess business has to change. We all have to embrace this digital world. Mm. Um, I know most of us can't write books to save our lives. So I'm really amazed by the fact that you've really written three books. This is one of my bucket lists. So I hope I get there one day. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, but thanks so much, Sarah. It's it's really been truly a privilege uh, to talk to you today. And I'd like to express my grat- gratefulness and my gratitude for your openness and for your sharing, for stopping by. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. As usual, in Phoenix Rising, always remember, we can never fall if we keep flapping our wings. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to an EO APAC production. If you enjoyed today's episode, do hit subscribe and share it with your friends and family. I look forward to sharing with you the next story of a Phoenix Rising.